And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have PBR Illinois and PBR Wisconsin area scout, staff writer, and lead tournament operator Peter Hammett on the JKR Podcast for the Illinois Baseball Series presented by Mind Baseball. Peter, pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jace. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Hey, of course, you know, thanks for coming on the show. You know, as I kind of expand my brand from the Indiana, Michigan, Ohio part, moving a little bit more out west there to Illinois, kind of excited to dig into this series. You know, having you, Tino, having Diego on this week as well, kind of, you know, pretty excited to dig into all this and just dig into Illinois baseball, you know, dig into the little Wisconsin baseball there as well. But um, before we dig into the baseball side of things, I got one question I always like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself who exactly is Peter Hammond? Well, professionally, I am, like you said, the area scout, staff writer, tournament operator. Um, absolutely love baseball. That is why I get up in the morning. That is why I'm working in it. Um, you know, it took a while to figure out that I could actually work in baseball. So really fired up to be able to say that I work in baseball, which not many people can say. They, they do something they love every single day. It's, it's awesome. Um, in, um, I don't know. I love to fish golf. You can catch me on the golf course, probably any single time I'm not working. So I don't know. I just like to be outside, like to hang out, just pretty laid back. Um, yeah, not, uh, don't show a lot of emotion, but 
Yeah, okay. it's like keep it, keep it pretty laid back. Okay, so you know, before that job in baseball all came about, obviously you're a college baseball player, got to play pro ball there for a little bit as well. Take us through that baseball upbringing, kind of. You know, where did this passion for baseball come from? Yeah, I mean, I was always good at throwing stuff. Like when I was younger, um, I would just be throwing stuff around the house, throwing stuff around the yard. I always had a good arm. Um, I didn't actually play t-ball. I went straight into coach pitch. So I started that when I was about seven. Um, and then, you know, just throughout Little League, like the next year after coach pitch, we start pitching. Um, so then there I was like, okay, the throwing in the living room is actually kind of translating to the mound. So I was like, all right, I want to do this. Like, this is fun. And then like, it actually didn't start like my pitching career, if you want to call it that, didn't start out um, how people would maybe expect it to, considering like where I went and where I played like later in life. I was terrified to hit kids. So I would warm up really hard, try and scare everybody, like show off a little bit. And then someone would get in and I'd lob it and just give up tanks and get rocked. So it was like the year after that first year, I figured out, I was like, All right, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to throw hard all the time. So then when I was maybe like eight or nine is when I finally like kind of immersed myself in like the pitching, like this is what I want to do. So then from there, I was always kind of pitching focused. Like I would always play other, you know, like third base, first base, stuff like that. But I sucked at it. So I was like, uh, I mean, I just want to pitch. Like that's all I wanted to do. Um, And then even like, you know, going through the ranks, um, Little League, that was a blast. Like, that's some of the best, most fun you'll ever have in your life is Little League. People try and, like, relate, you know, like when I was in pro ball, it was like, you're getting paid to be there and it can be stressful, but it's like, dude, we're just playing this game that we all played when we were seven years old, like, try and have fun like we did back then. That's all you kind of always try and go back to, like, that feeling. Um, but then, you know, like, travel ball up until just like a local travel team with all my buddies up until high school, local travel team. And then high school comes around and started to play on bigger programs, uh, long shots, baseball, which is a pretty big program around Illinois, especially my area. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the recruiting for me, it was a little different back then. Like it's not, it wasn't as early as it is now, like, especially with working with PBR, like we see, all these commits coming through, we see everything basically. And it's pretty crazy how young some of these kids are when they commit. Um, But back in like when I was in high school, it was more like, you know, sophomore year, if you were like legit, legit. And then junior year going into senior year was kind of like the big summer. Um, So, you know, I had like traveling around with long shots. We played some pretty high level tournaments, had some, uh, good exposure tried out for area code didn't make it but that was still an awesome experience like that's where I got most of my attention from early on um so you know it was like going through the recruiting process with that was like you know the first day that schools could contact me I had calls from like Creighton Gonzaga like I didn't even know some of those like I didn't even know what Gonzaga was I was like what is I had to look it up um so you know it was exciting at first like seeing these like bigger schools coming after me but uh I had issues with grades in high school I I wasn't dumb I was just lazy um 
And I didn't realize that until too late. That's like one of the things that I preach now with my job, like in the showcases, like giving advice is like, no one's going to want you if you don't have good grades. It doesn't matter how good you are. Cause like you legitimately can't play division one if you don't have a certain GPA. Like that was my issue. I had like a, I had a two flat in high school. Like I'm not even ashamed to say it cause it's in the past now, but um, so it wasn't division one eligible. Right. So I had a lot of thinking to do on uh, like, do I want to go junior college? Do I want to go lower level? What do I want to do? Um, so, I mean, Lewis reached out. They saw me in that summer, later on in the summer, going into my senior year. And I was pretty much set on like going to a John A. Logan or a Heartland at that point. That's like, I was like, that's where I'm going to go basically. And then Lewis kind of reached out, came around. I didn't even want to go on the visit. You know, my mom, like my mom legit, like forced me to go. And I was like, all right, whatever, I'll go. Um, ended up loving it. Uh, ended up committing. And it was the best thing I ever did baseball wise. Okay. So, saying, that's, saying that's the best thing you ever did. You know, that's, that's a pretty bold statement there. Take us through um, what that experience at, at Lewis University was. Yeah. So I loved it because of how close it was, first of all. Um, you know, I love my family to death. So I wanted it to be important for my family to be able to see me play. So that was like number one priority was keep it close. So like people that I love can come see me basically play. Um, Cause you know, like my dad never missed a game growing up, same with my mom. So it was like, I'm going into one of, like one of the biggest chapters of my baseball career. I would love for them to be able to see it consistently. So that was a huge factor. Um, I also just fell in love with the coaching staff and how they felt about me going from visiting bigger schools where you're kind of just a number to them where it's like, I mean, I literally had a guy tell me on the visit to a division one, I won't say who it was, but the guy was like, listen, man, six foot four right handers throwing 88 row on trees. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, so then, you don't really want me that much. Like it, it just was like kind of like a weird thing to hear when you're going on like on a visit to a school that's supposed to want you. Um, and then I get to Lewis and they're just so fired up that I'm even there. I'm like, okay, this feels different. I, I feel wanted here, which is one of the most important things that you could ask for in a school or like, you know, somewhere you're going to spend four years of your life. You're going to want to be like, feeling that you're in the right spot that they want you there you want to be there everything checks out so then um that checked the box i actually really like the campus it's a cool little campus um and then playing time was a big thing for me too i wanted to be able to play right away um and lewis gave me that opportunity to be in the rotation to start as a freshman which uh i mean not super common but it happens you know, here and there. So I was like, yeah, that, that checks the box for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just had seen, you know, like I did some research on them. They had a good, really good history with, um, you know, success in the past and really liked the pitching coach who I'm actually, he's now the head coach who I'm still really close with. Like those relationships, like at Lewis, it wasn't fake, you know, like someone, at you know the bigger school where the guy told me that I grow on like guys like me grow on trees if I went there 
it probably wouldn't have been like a true relationship because he like is just looking at me like one in a million basically but at lewis it was like you're the freaking guy and i don't want to say that's like why we're so close but it definitely drew me to the school um and then you know the relationship blossomed and we're still very close he still reaches out to me quite often he's texting me today um so i mean we're like true friends now um not just like an ex-coach like i can hit him up about anything he can hit me up about anything and a lot of it is around like prospects and stuff but yeah i mean the relationship i could feel from the start that we were going to have a good relationship um and yeah i mean that was basically what drew me there um altogether i was like yeah. sitting down still considering the juco you know because like you know heartland john a they're really good programs and the d1 was still in the back of my mind um you know because i was just a young kid and i didn't realize that it doesn't really matter where you go right so still was considering all the options but at the end of the day i was like you know what man i just feel like that's where i want to be so so bringing up that relationship you're able to build with at the time, the pitching coach, now the head coach, you know, what maybe benefits does that bring you with your job at PBR in terms of, you know, like you said, you're texting him about different players that are maybe in the Illinois, Wisconsin area. What benefits do you think that brings you now having such a good relationship with him? Yeah. I mean, it could definitely help both of us. Um, it can help him of course, because I see a lot of guys that he does not see. Uh, he can't be everywhere at once. So I'll, I'll oftentimes, you know, I was living at the rock basically. So I was seeing a ton of players come through. So he was hitting me up all the time, asking about players. Um, and then vice versa, he'll give me his opinions on players. And I've always thought that he's a very good scout um, because he's, he is a really good scout, very good baseball mind, unbelievable, just knows the game very well, can see things that a lot of people can't see, which is like one of the best things about best qualities of a scout um so today we in illinois i think actually every state we did but we dropped we dropped our 2024 updated rankings and he texted me like no later than five minutes after we dropped it with 13 bullet points on what he thinks that we could fix and yeah. he's like here's what i disagree with so it's like i mean i'm some of them i i agreed with some of them i didn't but uh it's nice to have almost like another another guy that can give you that outside input that you actually know he's not bullshitting you and he's you can you can trust him um so i mean and then of course we have our you know casual hangout relationship but yeah we definitely can benefit from each other in the baseball world yeah, I'm sure. So I do want to bring up those 2024 new rank rankings that came out today at some point later on, once we kind of dig into PBR a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, after your time there at Lewis, get the chance to go play pro ball there for, I can't remember. I remember, look, I remember looking it up early. I can't remember how long it was, but, you know, kind of take us through that pro ball experience, how it came about and just what that whole experience was like for you. Yeah. So that was the summer of like the first COVID summer, basically. So it was actually kind of interesting how it came about. Um, basically, the Joliet Slammers, which is a, an independent team locally for me, like near the city, they decided to host a four-team pod, 
where everything was played in Joliet. So, and then they, uh, they basically did a draft and I don't even know how they like constructed it. I think it was, a they're drafting players throughout the, um, the league. What I'm, trying, I'm blanking on what league that is. It's not American association fraud frontier. Is that right? Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Okay. Cause frontiers like the, one of those top independent league teams. Yeah. Leagues. Yeah, so they they basically like I think they held the draft like players from that league that wanted to be in this pod. And then there was also a good number of players that got special permission to play like affiliated guys that were in the minor leagues. They got special permission to come play uh and then they were thrown in the draft. And then I think just word of mouth like if you reached out and told them that you wanted to play like you could be in the draft. And that's what I did. I was like, I want to throw my name in this. Um, ended up getting drafted 11th overall, which was kind of crazy. I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was definitely, I mean, it could not have worked out better. You know, like I've always, I'd always wanted to play pro ball. And if I, if you were to have asked me what one place would you want to play? I would have told you Joliet because it's so close to me. And they just happened to be the only team in the country doing this, which is kind of nuts. Like there was dudes from all over the country playing here, flying in, staying in hotels, like all that. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, I'm sure not the same. Well, definitely not the same as a normal independent season. Cause we were all right in that pod. Yeah. But um, it was pretty laid back, you know, it was like, I mean, we got a decent crowd it was still COVID so they had restrictions and all that but it was kind of cool how they um constructed constructed the teams like they did the draft um and we had we had a pretty uh stacked pitching staff we had Ian Kroll who was a former big leaguer for six years played with us and then he actually worked his way all the way back up to the MLB he made it he was back like last season I think pitching for the Tigers, I believe. Um, and then we had a couple other like affiliated guys that were very talented. Um, and I, one thing that I love that they did was they got like the four coaches. I had Corky Miller from the Reds as my coach. That's just, he's an all time dude. He's so funny, but they tried to make like ex big leaguer, like ex big leaguers be the coaches to because they couldn't get you know yeah. four coaches from the frontier league so they kind of had to venture out so we had like corky miller um another team had a guy that played for the cardinals he was he won a world series with them uh another team had a guy that played for the cubs and i i'm blanking on where the last guy played but so it was a very interesting dynamic not usually like not anything like it normally is because there's no travel also you're playing everything's at the one field so that was kind of um i mean it was really nice for me you know because i live 20 minutes away but yeah so it was really nice to not have to travel um basically just you know wake up go to the field play go home and sleep in my own bed every day which was and i'm getting paid to do it so it was like you can't really beat that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the competition, man, was actually was actually really solid. 
talking with guys that have played in the frontier league and guys that have played, you know, minor league baseball. I mean, you look at these lineups that we were getting, cause there were so many affiliated players that got permission, like one through nine, six of them would be, you know, in single a or low a or whatever, you know, but six of them would be like affiliated. So you're basically playing like low a, at least like the hitters, there was a lot of good arms too, but the, um, the talent was actually pretty solid. And then you go, you know, get to the ninth inning versus us and you have to face Ian Kroll throwing 96 from the left side, ex big leaguer. It's like, all right, good luck with that, you know, but uh, pretty laid back league. Um, it almost felt like, I don't, I don't want to say like high school ball, but because you're like going or like college, like you're going to the same field every day. Like you're not traveling anywhere really. So it was um, it was nice in that sense. I do kind of wish there was more of like a, that venture out and like go on the road part of it. But with what we were dealing with, with COVID and like the restrictions on that, like. So even though, you know, during that summer, you guys weren't traveling, you guys were kind of in that pod. What did that day to day look like for you as a pitcher? Obviously, I'm sure yeah. it wasn't the same as most of the time when you're traveling, trying to do bullpens and, you know, opposing bullpens and stuff like that. But just take us through what that looked like day to day from you as a pitcher there, the, the independent season. Yeah. So I was a starter. So I had my routine, you know, I would throw, I'd make my start and then just do my program. You know, I'd get to the field every single day, uh, hour and a half early, a little bit before that, maybe just to kind of hang out. Cause that was kind of like, that was kind of the vibe of the league. Like we all were just kind of hanging out. It was like, it was COVID and we're all playing. We're like the only people in the country playing baseball right now. So we're just like, this is kind of sick. So we all just would go there and hang out, uh, hang out in the clubhouse, do whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, I would make my start next day would usually be pretty light, very light throwing, uh, but just hanging out in the bullpen, hanging out in the dugout, supporting the team. And then, you know, next day, throw a little more. Next day, probably bullpen. Next day, th long toss or whatever, and then make my start again. But for the most part, it was just um, get to the field, uh, you know, get set up in the clubhouse, um, say what's up to the guys, maybe go to the trainer, um, you know, start getting loose on the field. Then, you know, BP comes around. And then from there, it was like, you just do whatever you want. Really, you could go to the dugout. A lot, a lot of the pitchers would go sit in the outfield, in the in the bullpens, because they had on-field bullpens. So that was where most of that time was spent. We would all just go out there and hang out and kind of, you know, chop it up with each other. But, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty stereotypical day-to-day, -day, like get there, BP, stretch, throw, game eat, leave. Like that yeah. was kind of it. So play, so playing high level baseball there at Lewis there for a couple of years, going and playing that independent league season, kind of take us through when exactly it was that you started to realize you wanted to work in baseball and how does that come about to your connection with PBR? Yeah. So I actually, I'd always been super attracted to the idea of working in baseball. I just didn't know how realistic it was. Um, I'd always loved the idea of scouting and being a scout 
but the the travel always kind of I wouldn't say turned me away from it but it was like I, I wasn't super comfortable with being on the road that much um but then one day my buddy I so actually go, going back a little bit I got hurt playing in that independent league so from once I got hurt I had the decision of like, okay, do I want to keep trying or do I want to stop? And I basically decided that I wanted to stop trying because this was kind of when like teams were getting cut in the minor leagues and it was only getting harder to make it. Um, it was only getting harder to make it and I was only getting older, you know? So it was like the window was closing a little bit. So I was kind of just searching for like, what do I want to do with my life kind of? And I was very unsure very unsure i thought i'd be you know cold calling in a cubicle for the next 50 years and that would be my life um but my buddy reached out one day and he's like hey man do you want to come work a pbr showcase with me because he'd been doing pbr showcases for the last couple of years um and i was like yeah sure uh this was still this was like that winter after that first covid summer so pretty you know pretty close to that time yeah so my buddy reached out and uh, he invited me to come work a PBR showcase with him. And I didn't really, I was almost hesitant at first for whatever reason. Like, I don't know why I was kind of just in like a funk. Like I didn't want to do anything. I just hurt my arm. Like I was depressed. Like I didn't want to do anything really. I was kind of like depressed about not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to go work showcases right now. Um, but I said, yes, anyway, started doing it, realized like, Hey, this is actually kind of sick. Like I actually really like this. So then after I did like three or four showcases, I reached out to, uh, our scouting director, Drew Lacascio, and I basically asked him, um, I was like, Hey, I know I'm not in college, but can I intern for you? Um, and he actually said, no, he's like, no, why don't we just start paying you? I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a good idea too. Yeah, sure. So then, uh, from there, that was kind of like right in springtime. So I started out just doing like our daily roundup, which is basically just, I, uh, is basically just every single game that happened the day before for high school ball. So we would do like a, a summary of every single game, every score. Um, and then try and write up as many games, like a little nugget on each game, as many as we could, basically. Um, and, you know, we had like our power 25, which people, they love it if they're in it, they hate it if they're not. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. But uh, so, you know, just doing that every day and then going out to high school games every single evening. Um, and then that was kind of how I got my foot in the door. And then from there, I just kind of, started taking on more, more responsibility, you know, trying to have more of a lead in like the, the showcases. And then, you know, just grinding out in the summer, going and scouting the tournaments back when someone else was the lead operator. Um, so like just scouting as much as I possibly could, getting out, helping out as much as I could. Um, and yeah, just trying to work my way in and basically just make myself valuable to them. Yeah. So there at the beginning, when you're doing that daily roundup, doing that power 25, 
are you working primarily for PBR Illinois, PBR Wisconsin, or how, how like, you know, just, you know, what's that? Because for the most part, most people I talk to are specifically PBR Indiana, PBR Texas, PBR Louisiana. How does that work for you, especially there at the beginning, going from Illinois and Wisconsin? Yeah, so that was actually all Illinois. Um, for the most part, I was Illinois strictly until, I don't know, maybe two years ago. But even still, like up until this summer, it was it was like 95% Illinois, 5% Wisconsin. Like I would go and help them out a little bit with some stuff. Um, but Illinois and Wisconsin, we work so closely together that we're basically the same group. Like our conference call is Illinois and Wisconsin. We have a weekly conference call and it's us two. Like our, we swap staff all the time. So we're super hyper connected with each other, but yeah, like the roundup and all that and going out to games in the spring, it's all Illinois for me. And then Wisconsin is like summer, winter ish. Okay. So with that, with that staff writer and area scout role there at the beginning, doing primarily for PBR Illinois, kind of mixing with PBR Wisconsin there as well. Um, just kind of take us through like schedule wise throughout the year. We know what you're doing in the springtime, but what does that look like in the summer leading into the fall? Obviously you have that break where we're kind of at now in the year and then in the wintertime too. What did that look like showcase wise, tournament wise there with that area scout and that staff writer role? Yeah. So that was a lot of like, I guess we'll start in the spring. That's just going out to games, providing coverage from the games um, making sure we're staying on top of our scouting reports from the games, uh, daily roundup, you know, being involved in the, um, the power 25 every single week, I would get in there on Sunday night, me and like one other kid, or two other kids. Sometimes we would get in there and, uh, try and scour game changer or whatever to figure out every single, um, record of every team and who they played and who they beat or who they lost to. And so that would take, you know, a few hours between the three of us just to try and make it as accurate as possible. Um, so that, that is a lot of going out and seeing games. And then like the roundup takes up a good amount of time. The scouting reports take up a good amount of time. And then the power 25 itself takes up a good amount of time too and then the summer is more um less game coverage more like scouty because there's a difference for us between like providing game coverage versus scouting a game we're always scouting the game first of all but you know we're gonna scout or provide coverage for the state championship game differently than we're going to provide it for a high level tournament game you know like state championship game we're going to post just about every single hit that we get on camera every single run that scores even if it's not good you know because we're trying to show people what's happening yeah but if we're in a tournament we're trying to only show the good stuff like we're trying to show the standout players so that's not as much game coverage that's just like who's standing out so going into the summer is always kind of like you're transitioning from that game coverage to like, okay, now we're going to get a little more. It's almost easier because like you don't got to get every single little thing on camera. You can kind of free up and like, okay, I like this kid. I'm going to get his video. 
this kid respectfully not as good so like no video um so it's kind of like it's almost like a little break from a game coverage standpoint but it's definitely more of a grind in the sense that we're at the field you know tournaments um i think last the last two years they were like maybe only four days long um so you know i'd go up there for between the two and four days and be at the field all day long scouting and that would kind of be like my work for that week and you know get my tweets out get my notes in get my scouting reports out and then also balancing the showcases which in the showcases a lot of the time i would act as like i would always be one of the main scouts um whether it be evaluating hitting or pitching but I started to kind of like at least the last couple summers um, I was more like I would handle most of the pitching uh, just because that's what I'm comfortable with. That's what I'm naturally better at. So I would basically just sit down in the bullpen and run each kid through their little routine, you know, get video right up their mechanics, right up what each pitch does. And then right up, you know, post event who I liked, try and get content from it in that way. Um, and that's pretty much for the most part it for the summer with like showcases and um, tournaments. And then we get into the fall and that's more, um, more laid back for sure. But it does pick up a little bit cause we started doing junior college showcases. So we started traveling out to junior colleges, um, which is a blast. I mean, those kids are awesome. You know, they get all fired up when we're there and they're like velo slapping each other, which you just don't see that at a normal event. So that's always really fun. And it's kind of fun to just be on the road with the guys. Like it was me and two other kids that would go to every JUCO scout day. And that was just kind of like our thing. Like we owned it. That was what we did in the fall. It was fun. Um, and then we do a couple little showcases in the fall. But like I said, it's mostly the JUCO scout day deal or like travel team will do like private scout days with specific teams if they reach out so we got a couple of those sprinkled in there and then the winter is um showcase central like we hammer showcases in this in the winter so that's basically going back to what i was doing in the summer you know scouting the event getting all the content from the event uh after the event's over um and then we're also prepping for the spring. So, you know, maybe two months before the spring season starts, we'll start getting our preseason Power 25 together, like writing up all the Power 25 stories on each team. So we're, we're prepping for the spring too. So there's like, I mean, it's pretty much go, go, go all year long, except for maybe one or two months in there, but we're still, we're still doing stuff, you know, there's still work to be done. Mm -hmm. So early on in your role there as an area scout and a staff writer, you did say that you try to take more of a lead. How did you kind of go about that? And how does that lead to your new role that you began there in the spring as a, you know, lead tournament director? Yeah. So like I mentioned, um, I'm pretty laid back. I don't get very animated. I don't get very loud. So me trying to you know basically be like one of the guys at a showcase with 150 kids 
there was definitely some learning to be done on how to like be a more of a presence at the event. That was kind of what like my boss was saying to me about what he needed more out of me. Um, Cause like he basically saw like my willingness to work and be in this company and grind. So he's like, if you're going to continue to move up, you got to like, I need you to be more of this, which was like, be like a leader at the event. So I had to learn to be more uh, vocal, more authoritative. Um, and basically just have like that presence where like, if you're at a showcase, you can look and be like, okay, that's a guy that I could like go to right now. And he'll know what I need to do versus like being kind of off in the corner just writing up reports, you know, like I was kind of more of like in the, not the spotlight, but I was more like, you know, people, people knew to come to me if they needed something type yeah. of way. Yeah. Um, and that definitely helped because I got more comfortable with that. Um, and then with the new position, that was kind of a combination, I think, of me stepping up my in event, you know, I don't know, you I don't know if you can call it a performance, but like what I was doing in event versus also just for how long I'd been with the company, you know, um, they felt like I deserved a shot to do that too. And then what I noticed with that, because, you know, I'm basically running that show, the tournament, everything comes to me, whether, whether someone's happy or pissed off, it's coming to me and I got to deal with it. So that really made me, um, learn to be comfortable with dealing with people, whether they're pissed off or happy. Um, and like dealing with situations on the fly, which honestly, for whatever reason, made me even more confident in event. So now when I go to an event, I'm yelling all over the place. Like it doesn't, not like in a mean way, of course, yeah. but like <laughs> being really authoritative there. So I think that um, it kind of like what I was doing kind of gave me that opportunity and then that opportunity also is kind of giving back to now the showcases because now I feel more comfortable like being loud and being kind of in charge even though I'm not in charge of the showcases because we got our um, scouting directors there for that but um, being more of someone they can rely on to you know handle the flow of a showcase or like my own section of it whether they're doing hitting and I'm doing the pitching or the defense like I got it. You don't got to worry about it. I'll handle it type of deal. So with that promotion, obviously comes all those different new job, job responsibilities, dealing with people, whether they're pissed off, whether they're happy. Beyond that, what else kind of came with that new role when it comes to maybe, maybe like, let's, let's talk about that tournament that's coming up at the rock there. You know, for you, what does that look like beforehand, during, maybe after as well? What is, with this new role, what does that kind of look like during tournaments for you? Yeah. So, I have to, um, first thing I would always do is I'd have to staff it, obviously. So, you know, I'd have to find out ever who is coming, who can come to the, to the tournament, like what days can you be there? What times can you be there? So I'd have to staff the whole thing out. So I'd basically have like a, a spreadsheet on every single game, um, every single day, every single time, every single field. And I would have to like place who goes where for every single day. So that was like pre-event. I'd also have to get, you know, um, 
hotel situations like who needs hotels like all that stuff and then the showcase or not sorry not showcase the tournament i have to make sure we got everything like we got all our uh the trophies are there we got like um the banners that we would give to the winners like just a little stuff like that because it's it is little but at the end of the day if we're if you just win the tournament and we don't have the trophy that's kind of a huge deal so like i have to be on top of that um and then basically just every single day during the tournament i'm getting there an hour early walking each field making sure because at the rock the sprinklers loved to not go down they would all stay up so i'd have to every morning get there an hour early and like step on each one make them all go down get all the baseballs out make sure everything's all good to go make sure everyone's where they're supposed to be and then from there you just kind of hope the tournament runs itself because like you know the schedule's out there so you're hoping that the teams show up on time that and that everyone it just kind of runs itself basically so i'm almost just waiting for like my job is almost just wait for something to go wrong and then deal with it when it does so i'm just there you know i got uh I got my guys scouting each field and I'm just kind of, the, I'm walking around scouting each field too, um, seeing guys that I need to see. But for the most part, I'm there. Um, not just, I don't mean waiting for, for something to go bad, but I'm like, I'm the guy it all goes to. Um, so, you know, if there's an ejection or a fight, I got to get in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's really it for the, for like being at the tournament um and then post event we would have to try and get every single velo that we saw posted in each each kid's profile um which can be a tall task because you know hundreds and hundreds of arms are throwing and we're trying to get each every single kid the correct velo um and with like interns that were new to it and maybe didn't a hundred percent understand um, like how to do it or how we do things like that could be a little tricky at times, but we actually did a really solid job of uh, getting everyone's velo in there. Um, and then making sure that we would always try and post like our quick hits, you know, our scouting reports the day after. So making sure everyone stays on that, uh, making sure we get it out at a good time. And then I'd let everyone write, write their scouting reports um and that i'd basically have to go through and proofread everything make sure it all looks good um and then usually that would take me from so the tournaments would always start on thursday and end on monday so that's five days um so then that sixth day would be the like getting the scouting reports done and then the seventh day would be basically getting ready for the next one and then boom we're in the next one already so we're just kind of like non-stop like go 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 um which can be it was hectic at first but started to get the hang of it and uh yeah i mean i had a blast doing it you know i would take i've told so many people this that um i would take a 16 hour day at a baseball field over an eight hour day in a cubicle all day long every yeah. single day so you know can't complain it's a grind but I love it. So, 
So working on the scouting side of things, sorry, working on the state side of things when it comes to scouting, working for PBR Illinois, Wisconsin, I'm sure you're maybe working for more of the PBR HQ when it comes to yourself as a tournament operator. Obviously, you're talking you're talking to Tino. I know you said he's been texting you all night, but what's that relationship you have amongst, you know, you as a state guy with some of those HQ? Like how often are you guys communicating back and forth between the state level of prep baseball report and the you know prep baseball report HQ? Yeah, so HQ. Oh, I'm actually we're actually in contact with them a lot because um Steve Nielsen is the vice president of the entire company of like, I think baseball operations. Um, and he lives in Plainfield, Illinois, which is 15 minutes from me. He's a former Illinois and Wisconsin scouting supervisor. So he has gradually worked his way up to being like basically number two in command in the whole company. So, and he, I mean, he's, super connected with us because he lives so close and where his where he basically started his upbringing was in illinois wisconsin so we're in contact with him all the time um and you know hq really all that means is like we're in the same umbrella of pbr where like illinois wisconsin um i'm not sure every single state that is hq but I know there's a good amount of states that are kind of like uh corp. I don't know what's the like. Well, a that's how that's how Tina was kind of describing it, like more like corporate side, like they're connected with. Like I, I can't remember how exactly he was describing it, but you know I know what you're talking about when it comes to maybe some of those privately owned states compared to maybe some who are more corporate. Yeah, and so like the the HQ states, like we all got to do the same thing. Uh, we all got to try and follow the same guidelines whereas i think like the the franchised ones or if that's even the right word they have a little more like say in what they do but um we're trying we're still trying to get like for the most part everything as a country to be the most consistent as possible yeah, um, i mean for the most part from the outside looking in i know there's some states in the midwest that are fran like franchise states and some are corporate and for the most part i mean everything looks pretty much the same i'm always seeing that same stuff but that kind of leads me to my next question you know earlier you brought up those 2024 rankings when it does come up to you know new rankings like the ones released today how does that work on the state and national side of things to make sure everything's lining up how much communication is going back and forth there take us through that process that you've seen so far yeah so the rankings is um basically a year-long thing you know, like every single time we're seeing a player where we're making sure that they're in our rankings document, first of all, and if they're not, we're putting them in because we don't want to miss a single person. Like there's always been that, you know, that um, like, oh, it's just pay to be ranked. Basically, like they only that you if you want to get ranked better, just go to more of their stuff like that's couldn't be farther from true. Like our butts are on the line if we're not accurate, you know, how are we going to be trusted if it's not accurate or as accurate as possible, you know? So that is not true at all. It's like, well, you know, when we're out scouting spring games for the, that's where we see a lot of our players that we throw in the rankings. Yeah. We're losing money going out to that. We don't get paid. Like they're not paying us to go scout that game. Well, they pay me, but like, you know, not the <laughs> they're, not paying, they're not paying PBR to go out to the game, you know? 
So we're actually losing money doing that. And that's our favorite thing to do, you know? So it's basically year long spring, every single game. Okay. Who do you like? Throw them in the ranking stock summer showcases. Okay. Who do you like? Throw them in tournaments, throw them in basically just collecting every single name, um, throwing in little notes while you like them. You don't, and then you're trying to compare them to kids too, you know, like, okay, would I take him over this guy or would I take him over this guy? And then that's kind of how it falls into place. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're always, um, on top of throwing names in there, making sure we got all our guys. And then usually, so like the rankings came out recently last week and a little bit earlier this week, we had a couple calls. It was me. It was basically all the main scouts in the state and our state director. Uh, we go through like the top, like the top hundred basically together um because that's like i mean every single ranking is important but the top 100 is a little more like i don't know the word uh you gotta be like yeah you really gotta make sure that's, that's right on for those yeah so like we're trying to collectively okay who did you like did you see him good oh you didn't see him good but you saw him like it, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it um and those calls can go on for hours literally hours like two and a half hours looking at the rankings would be a short call. That'd be short. And then we had multiple days of that for only going through the top a hundred. So we're very in depth with it. Um, and then like you said about the national level, that's really only, that really only applies to the kids that are in the national rankings. So like in Illinois, I don't know. I don't know exactly what number it cuts off, but you could, you could assume that like the top 10 are also nationally ranked. So that has to go through shooter hunt. He does the national rankings and each state has to kind of comply with where each person is ranked nationally. Yeah. And it has to be the same in your state. Uh, if that makes sense. But then once like the second that you're out of like that range, it's totally up to the state on who they rank in what position. Yeah, because uh, I mean, obviously, you're always curious on how that kind of works when it comes to, like I said, I mean, I saw you guys announce your guys as top 10 today. I saw PBR, you know, kind of like, you know, they're posting it, but then you guys have on the website, the actual rankings. And it's always kind of cool how, you know, it always has to line up when it comes to whether a guy's, you know, seventh in the state and then the guy who's eighth in the state, they got to make sure on the national rankings there, you know, it leans that way. So, you know, it's always kind of cool to kind of see how that works. But um, yeah. on the scouting side of things, obviously, you talk about all the scouts that you're talking to back and forth. Take us through, you first started with the company, you're going from your playing career to your scouting career. You know, how does that, what's that transition like? You know, how are you using your playing career as maybe a way to benefit you as a scout? How are you maybe learning how to evaluate talent? You know, what are those first couple months as a scout looking like? Yeah. Um, it's very easy to overthink. It's very easy to try and get too technical. Um like the first thing that I'll always tell our interns is to not overthink it because you know what a good baseball player looks like, you know, like anyone in their, in the world can look at a baseball game and I shouldn't say anyone, most people can find the best player on the field, right? That's the easy part. Um, but the hard part is finding those kids that maybe aren't there yet, but there's something in there that you think is going to click 
and then that's when you know that's like the projection aspect of it so like i said it's like and especially in this job we're really mostly trying to find those i shouldn't say that but for game coverage we'll start there you're just trying to find the best player on the field that's not hard right so then deeper than that we're going into like the rankings now that's when you're trying to like match up okay uh, this kid isn't quite there yet but i think he's gonna you know he's gonna pop and be something so but circling back for me it was like pitching came super naturally to me to scout uh just because that's what i'd i've been a pitcher um <laughs> It's, it was just naturally easier for me to, to scout. Um, so I had to really learn how to scout hitters and position players. So I would just be picking the brain of whether it be the scouting director for Illinois or some of the other scouts that we had. I was just constantly asking questions um, like, why do you like this guy? What does that mean that you just wrote down? Like, why did you say that? Um, so really just learning with experience but mostly just trusting your eyes and your instinct. Um, Cause like I played at a high level, you know? Uh, so I know like what it's supposed to look like, you know, especially at like each age. Cause like playing in high school, we all knew what a good player looked like. So it's no different now. We're looking at a high school kid. We're like, yeah, that's a really good player. So it's, it's easier than you think, but um the hard part is like finding those kids that are going to pop, but just haven't yet. And that's like one of my favorite things about it is finding someone that you really like and you don't know why, but then they just pop and you're like, hell yeah, I knew it. <laughs> I'm sure. Cause I'm always curious, like I said, or like, I'm always curious to kind of ask that question as well. Cause you know, I'm kind of in that spot too, where it's like, you know, I was a ball player a couple of years ago, trying to be an agent. So, you know, a big part of that is, you know, evaluating talent, you know, I'm, walking around with Cooper Trinkle all spring and, you know, obviously he's got a great baseball mind and he's got all this. And I'm just thinking, man, like how, how do you kind of go about evaluating all these different guys? Um, so it's kind of cool to kind of learn how, or kind of see how scouts, you know, start and, you know, how they kind of evolve and how they, you know, went about, you know, getting better as a scout. But um, when it comes to, you know, scouting Juco as well, I know you said there were some differences there. Um, so when you are scouting a high school kid compared to scouting a Juco kid, what's the difference there and what does that look like? Yeah, I, I it's almost easier for me. Um, I think the younger you go, the harder it is because there's so much more time for them to for stuff to happen, right? You know, someone's not going to grow or someone will grow a lot. It's like you don't get much from scouting a seventh grader. Like it's almost it's not pointless because like a lot of those kids, um, like you can still identify likely who's gonna be a guy one day. But so many of those kids that you don't think are good at that time are going to be good. So it's like, it's just really hard to do. So I think the harder or the, the older, the easier, you know, especially because that was more, um, that's the most recent like age roughly that I played. So that's fresher in my mind. It's like, okay, I'm evaluating these 18 to 22 year old kids. Well, not 22, I guess 20, um, close to my age i remember what it's supposed to look like really fresh so like it's easier there's not as much 
projection in that either. It's more like right now. So, I mean, all that together is just a little easier naturally. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Juco stuff is, um, it's like one of our favorite things to do. Those guys, their attitude, uh, the way they play the game, like Juco grinders, they're just unbelievable. All right, so I got a couple more questions here for you before we end it off. Got a couple more when it comes to prep baseball report, and then you know we'll kind of do that final question. Um, but when it comes to you know, obviously you're up there, you're up there in Wisconsin at the Rock pretty much all summer. But when it comes to big time, like you know, I guess national events like NPI futures games. I know you were a coach there. I think you said it was two summers ago. Um, and then you also think of Super Sixty, which is kind of in your backyard as well. For you, how involved are you on that national side when it comes to those big time events there at Prep Baseball Report? Um, so I'll start with the Super Sixty. That we're actually not as involved as you would think, or at least like me. Um, that's more like the shooter hunt, um, the scouting director of each uh, of each state, basically pushing for the top guys in each state to be there. Um, and then basically making the best list from that. I certainly can help with, you know, compiling who I think <clears throat> should be there from the spring. Like there was a handful of guys that I saw in the spring that showed really well. I was like, yeah, here's what I got on them. And I can't remember exactly um, if they made it or not, but my opinion helped influence that decision basically. Um but yeah, that's more of like the national, um, national level, you know, each that's more like the state directors handling that versus like the smaller scouts like me, we're just kind of there to help, um, especially in event, like a normal event, like I said, I'd be scouting it. Right. And so like <clears throat> this past super 60, I was there scouting like strictly for Illinois. Like I wasn't doing any national stuff. It was like, okay, how did each Illinois guy do? And then I wrote a little story about him. But for the most part, I was just running like a camera, which is like something that we would have like an intern do. So it's uh, it's nice because like you get a little break and it's awesome to see competition like that. Um, but for like the junior future games that we're basically just trying to make the best teams we can with the, the Rising Stars turn, uh, showcases that we do. So we're just trying to bring, we'd always bring, um, I think the, the two years that I did it, we brought three teams, two 14s and one 13. And I would, I coached a 14 year old team, both those times. So I didn't really have, um, a say in who was on which team, but I had, um, some influence on who made it basically. Like I would, I really liked this guy. So I would push for him or, I didn't like a kid as much, so he didn't come, you know, kind of in that sense. And then coaching was super not as, you know, probably not what you think it was. It was more just like, here's a lineup, guys, like no signs, just go do your thing. Like, this is a showcase. I want you guys to show what makes you a good player. And I don't want to dictate, like, if you want to steal a base, steal it. If you want to bunt, like, you know, show why you're good. I'm not going to try and interfere with that. So that was pretty low, like pretty straightforward in that sense. 
Okay. So on the regional side of things, and this is going to be my last question when it comes to actually your role at this moment at PBR. On the regional side of things, I know we talked about it before we started recording. You know, for me, being from Indiana, Grand Park is kind of like, or, you know, in Champions Park and Kokomo as well. Those are kind of the two spots that all the teams are going to that PBR, you know, has a pretty big role in there as well. When it comes to the regional side of things up there in the Illinois, Wisconsin area, I know we've talked about the Rock as well, but what does that look like regionally? Um, in, in what sense do you mean? Just in terms of like, what's the big time tournament that kids are hitting in the summertime or gotcha. what, what, what's that kind of look like there in the summer for your guys's region? Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> obviously the biggest one is the future games. Um, tournament wise for the summer, I would say our biggest ones were our, it was uh, class of 2024 at the Rock, class of 2025 at the Rock, and then class of 2026. It was basically just those age only, and they were all different weeks. So we would bring all those teams in from one age, and then the same thing the next week, and the same thing the next week. And obviously, they were each as respectable as each other because they're, they're supposed to be like the top tournament for each age. Yeah. So that got a lot of good competition. Um for Illinois, um, our premier event, other than like the pro case, which we didn't do this year, um, is the Illinois State Games. That is the collection of the best players in Illinois, and we run them through a showcase and then gameplay. So we had ours earlier in August, like August 8th and 9th. We had over 300 kids there from Illinois, and they were all studs. You know, they're all college level, um, and it was awesome. We even brought a pro a pro case team of guys that were have like pro attention and that we think should have pro attention um, because we didn't do our pro case this summer, but like that is our premier event in Illinois. And then Wisconsin, it would probably just be their preseason all state or one of their bigger showcases uh, like Madison, the showcase, I think it's a Madison open or something that is uh, it draws like a ton of kids. So it's just naturally going to be good because there's so many kids there. All right. So final question here for you on the podcast, you know, as you look forward through past this fall to 2024, 2025 on two levels of yourself personally in your career and for prep baseball report as a whole, where do you kind of see this moving forward? What's that vision at this moment in time for the future? Definitely stay in PBR. I mean, the people that I'm surrounded by, like Tino, you know, you could tell he, he likes me. He's hitting me up all throughout this podcast. I've met a lot of um, awesome people. So I want to stay in this as long as I possibly can. Just keep trying to grind it out, trying to make myself as valuable as possible and just keep working my way up. Um, and I mean, that's almost me on like a, um, a non-professional side too, because I'm doing something that I love to do, which is work in baseball. So I mean, honestly, that's really all there there is for me to do is just enjoy life, enjoy what I do, and uh, just do it as long as I can. Okay. All right. Well, that's great to hear. I'm sure Prep Baseball Report is going to think the same when it comes to, you know, you wanting to stink in the company. But, you know, first off, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And uh, we got probably on the phone for – 
a little over an hour. So, you know, perfect timing. You know, lots of content here for the people to listen to, learn about PBR Illinois, learn about you, learn about PBR Wisconsin. Um, so, again, thanks for coming on the show. And as you kind of move forward within your career, do want to wish you the best of luck. And obviously, I'm sure we'll be staying, you know, connected. Like I said, trying to be a baseball agent here once I graduate from college next spring. Um, so, I'm sure we'll be kind of, you know, probably talking back and forth at some point as well. But, again, just thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.